Hey everybody, Beth Wee in the Koinonia kitchen, and we're going to talk about your spiritual juju. We're going to bring up some names, and I want you to freak out because we're talking about no spiritual juju in particular, but I am going to use a name that freaks people out just to go through some different phases. You know, if you want to know how your body is, you go to the doctor, and he or she can hook you up to machines that tell you what your different organs, skeletal, blood operation, you can get everything. You can get a handle on it based on concrete evidence because your body's physical. You can see it, you can measure it, you can quantify its processes. If you want to know how your mind is, you can go to a shrink and he can listen to you or evaluate your weaknesses and inefficiency based on years of analysis and study. Or you can buy self-help books and identify your issues based on thousands of other sufferers who have been examined and assessed and wrote the book. You can follow pathways that were laid out and followed by innumerable people seeking mental health. If you want to know how your spirit is or how to connect with the great unseen, you can go to church and get some answers, right? But what church? I'm going to give you an example. We all heard that 2,000 years ago, this guy named Jesus walked the earth. Now, I'm not asking you to believe anything here, just the opposite, so hang with me. I'm letting you see how different churches can believe different things. That's the point. Which is the right church to deliver the right answers to you? I don't know. Let's take this question and follow it through. See if you can identify the religious thinking based on these statements. The question is this. Who is Jesus? Get ready. The religious or spiritual contingent gave different answers. The New Age group, Jesus is indeed God, and each, um, and each of the person, each person has Christ inside them, lying dormant, waiting for them to attain enlightenment so that they too will be like God. The Muslims, Jesus was born of a virgin, and though not the Son of God, is the last of the key prophets that came before their leader. This group does not believe that Jesus suffered death on the cross, but do believe that he ascended into heaven. Judaism. This group does not consider Jesus a prophet, the Messiah, nor the Son of God, but they do show respect with no religious reverence. Jehovah's Witnesses. This group believes that before his birth, Jesus was Michael the Archangel and therefore a perfect human being, but he is not God in man's form. Christians. This group believes that Jesus is God taking the form of a man and God incarnate and that he came in that form as a sacrifice to overcome sin and death and reconnect humanity with God. Agnostics. This group does not take a position because they claim the existence of God is not known, so therefore discussion on the existence of his son is unimportant. Atheists. This group espouses the lack of belief in gods of any kind. Hinduism. Jesus is divine, though not uniquely so. 
There are many other gods and goddesses that can lead to self-realization, which is the goal. Buddhism. Jesus is a wise, holy, and enlightened being, sometimes considered equal with their own teacher and his quest for spiritual enlightenment through self-sacrifice and compassion. Okay, what do you think? It's kind of fun to look at the world's religions through one little question. I did that to show that when the spiritual nature hurts, it's not as easy to going to a hospital or finding the right anti-anxiety medicine because the spiritual cannot be measured in the same way as the physical and the mental can be. It can seem uncomfortable at best and downright scary at worst. So who knows the right answer? Do any of those churches have the answer? Some folks believe it's their church, right? I mean, throughout history, wars have been waged to force one belief system over another. What is terrorism based on? Religious belief. Usually, it's the elimination of those who don't espouse the same philosophies as the perpetrator. Okay, right now in this podcast, my hope is to uncover some of the reasons we hide from or sidestep spiritual openness. When we're not open, we don't grow. For some of us, spiritual growth is key to our survival. What do I mean? Ask anyone in a 12-step program. Recovery from powerlessness is based on finding a power greater than self that can expel the obsession and enable the sufferer to become happily and usefully whole. So what do you do if you're afraid of dying from the disease, but you're more afraid of the solution? What makes us afraid? Or maybe that's too strong a word. What makes us uncomfortable? There's a research company out of California called the Barna Group that has done some weird studies. And one of them they found, and this is a quote, based on past studies of those who avoid going to church, one of the driving forces behind such behavior is the painful experiences endured within the local church context. In fact, one study shows that nearly four out of every 10 non-church-going Americans, or 37%, said they avoid churches because of negative past experiences in churches or with church people. Now that's a real bummer. I mean, the reason we skip going to church to seek answers is because we've been judged or injured by the people we encounter there. I mean, don't get me wrong. Church isn't the only place you can find spiritual connection. Let's not close our minds to this portion of the teaching just because we don't see church attendance in our future. That's not the point. Hang with us for a little bit and discover the point of brokenness with me. I mean, church is supposed to be a place of refuge, a place of safety and connection. Unfortunately, that is not what 37% of the people experienced. Not everyone is affected, but the most sensitive among us may have been. So go back in your own history and consider what your experiences have taught you about getting and maintaining a spiritual connection. Did you grow up in a house that practiced some sort of a religion? And if so, what did you learn? Some of us learned that God is out to get us. (laughs) I mean, that's kind of scary, but that's what we learned. Our only shot at safety is being perfect. We've got to do everything right or we will burn. For others, it was judgment. The health thing was more of an unspoken addendum to the fact that everyone around us thought we were bad, or at least unworthy. They might gossip or exclude us from the group. They had a lot of shoulds that seemed impossible, but we knew that if we missed even one on the list, we'd be less than again. 
So our shame would separate us from the people. And we never really got close to those people anyway because we never really measured up to the standards they were setting. So whether it was theology that made us afraid or the people that made us afraid, the injury stuck and we laid a cornerstone on which we have built layers of discomfort with anything smacking of God or spirituality. The very people you know, that grew up bearing God's name shut us out. So clearly this is not the only reason some of us have lost our footing in the realm of the spiritual. Way back when, in 1492, Christopher Columbus made a trek across the ocean in search of what was out there. Did he know he'd discover America? Of course not. He just wanted to know what is out there. Almost anyone who heard about his voyage thought he was a lunatic. You could see that the earth was flat. Clearly, he was going to sail right off the end of the earth and fall off. Okay, I know that sounds crazy, but fear of the unknown is a common fear. It's called xenophobia. It's an irrational sense of fear experienced about a person or a group of persons, as well as situations that are perceived as strange or foreign. That's the word. Perceived. Perception is the key player in our spiritual discomfort. Consider this for a minute. What's your favorite color? Let's just say you said blue. What if what you see as blue is what I see as red? The color is perceived and I can't explain it to you, but I can't, I, I can't let you see it through my eyes. But whenever you say something's blue, I'm seeing it as red. And every time you see something red, I might be seeing it as blue. So the ocean, the sky, certain people's eyes, Levi Strauss jeans, everything that I term blue is what you would term red. But my whole world is based on how I see it. You point at it and say blue because that's what you understand blue is. Only the vision of the thing is quite different. You may never know that because color was understood at a very early age. How do you perceive colors in your world? You know, Stephen Covey wrote a great book called Seven Habits of the Highly Effective People, of Highly Effective People, and he tells this story. This is a quote. I remember a mini paradigm shift I experienced one morning on the subway in New York. People were quietly sitting, some reading newspapers, some lost in thought, some resting with their eyes closed. It was a calm, peaceful scene. Then suddenly, a man and his children entered the subway. The children were so loud and rambunctious that instantly the whole climate changed. The man sat down next to me and closed his eyes, apparently oblivious to the situation. The children were yelling back and forth, throwing things, even grabbing people's newspapers. It was very disturbing. And yet, the man sitting next to me did nothing. It was difficult not to feel irritated. I could not believe that he could be so insensitive as to let his children run wild like that and do nothing about it, taking no responsibility at all. It was easy to see that everyone else on the subway felt irritated too. So finally, with what I felt was unusual patience and restraint, I turned to him and said, Sir, your children are really disturbing a lot of people. I wonder if you couldn't control them a little more. The man lifted his gaze as if to come to a consciousness of the situation for the first time and said softly, Oh, you're right. 
I guess I should do something about it. We just came from the hospital where their mother died about an hour ago. I don't know what to think, and I guess they don't know how to handle it either. Can you imagine what I felt at that moment? My paradigm shifted. Suddenly, I saw things differently. And because I saw differently, I thought differently. I felt differently. I behaved differently. My irritation vanished. I didn't have to worry about controlling my attitude or my behavior. My heart was filled with the man's pain. Feelings of sympathy and compassion flowed freely. Your wife just died? Oh, I'm so sorry. Can you tell me about it? What can I do to help? Everything changed in an instant. Can you see how perception changed that whole encounter? So how do you perceive the spiritual world? Do you see it as creepy and strange? Or is it a place of comfort and serenity? This could be totally what keeps you from seeking the spiritual. Wouldn't it be great if we could change that perception? Kind of like that man in the story told by Covey. If that were possible, it could change in an instant. Your whole paradigm could shift. You know, back in the 1400s, they invented the printing press. The whole world experienced a paradigm shift, a radical change in thought and manners of behavior because of this invention. Suddenly, books were available. Not only that, they were printed in languages that people understood. Before that, they were all written in Latin. Look how that changed the world. To have a paradigm shift so that you could move from feeling creeped out by spirituality into feeling comfortable with it, there must be a radical change in thought and behavior. I think the answer is in personal relationship. I mean, I can't speak for anyone but myself, but I went through that exact thing over 40 years ago. Most of you listening have heard my story, but in a nutshell, I was struggling and ready to die. And I was sobbing and lying in a bed unable to sleep. I was so frustrated and upset that I cried out to the God I heard about as a child. And I said, if you're real, come now, because I will never ask for you again. There was no burning bush, no choir of angels singing, but still, everything changed in that instant. I mean, I can't really explain it, but I understood that everything would be okay now. And I believed. So I'm throwing it out there. Are you uncomfortable with the spiritual? I believe the answer is that it isn't personal to you. At least not yet. That's the key. Like any other important relationship you will ever have, you must start somewhere. You must begin at the beginning. When you meet someone, what do you say? Hi, my name is Beth. Who are you? Okay, maybe you'll schmooze a little more, but you get the picture. You'll introduce yourself and you'll ask what their name is. And from there, you begin to share a bit of information about yourself and you learn a little bit about them. And spiritual relationships can be just that simple too. If you're uncomfortable with a name that you learned for a higher power as a kid, use a word that you do value. Life. Truth. You get the idea. Ask the life of the world to come to you and meet you. Say you want to know this truth, this power this great one, better, but you're scared. Be honest. The source can take it. For goodness sake, source created you. Surely source knows what to expect from you. And then seek others to share their spiritual journey with you. Trust your gut. 
If they seem off base or their ideas don't gel with your innards, move on. Shake the dust off your shoes and head out to meet others with different ideas. Trust your gut. God utters truth. G-U-T. Your intuition will guide you. There is a spirit of the universe and it will talk to you. Trust it. Eventually, you'll find your role in the spirit world. Believe it or not, you have a role. Each one of us is given a purpose and then provided with the power to carry that purpose out. You may never be a great spiritual teacher, but you may nurture someone who is. Think of a close friend you have. What's your role in that relationship? Are you the listener? Are you the voice of reason? Are you the funny one that makes them laugh at their serious view of the world? In all relationships, we have a role. You will find yours in your spirit life as you better seek connection with your source. And it will feed you like nothing else ever has. You will feel full and more connected with life. And you will know your value like never before. This can be tough for some, but understand that you were created with a physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual nature. Let that spiritual nature thrive. I promise it will change your life. It's time to take addiction out of the shadows and shine the encouraging light of recovery on everyone affected. Good Seed Podcast is powered by BethWE.com, a nonprofit ministry based in Vero Beach, Florida. We'll start the uncomfortable conversations that turn despair into hope and complacency into action. Connect, communicate, and thrive with us. Check us out online at BethWE.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk again soon.